Hello and welcome to Sonic Talk, episode 455, recording today, Wednesday, the 13th of July, 2016. Uh, welcome, everybody. If it's your first time, we're a podcast uh, panel show, weekly show, uh, every 4pm on a Wednesday. Uh, discusses all things to do with music, technology, recording, live performance, synthesizers, software, production, all of those kind of things. Uh, so please do, if this is the sort of thing you're interested in, do subscribe and uh, you can join us every week. We're streaming via YouTube Live. And we also have our own IRC chat room to the YouTube embed, which is at sonicstate.com forward slash live. I want to say thank you to our sponsors for the show. Uh, there's a competition which we will announce later from Isotope, uh, who will be giving away a copy of their vocal processing, vocal vocoder harmonizing plugin called Vocal Synth. And I want to say hello, everybody in the chat room, which is this is the IRC chat room, and also in the YouTube uh chat room which i can't bring you as well it's very hard to monitor both so i do try my best but uh, you might have to have a couple of goes if there's something specific you want to ask but thank you very much everybody for joining us live so let's get on to our guests we'll start in uh, in canada i believe rich you look a little bit like you're inside a uk uh hospital cubicle because of the position of the <laughs> which i'm sure you're not i think you must be in a hotel oh you're muted Thank goodness I'm not. Yes, I'm, I'm pleased um, you're not. So I'm here in a hotel room in Toronto, Canada. Right. So you're on tour with Chic, uh, as we know. You've been uh, you're on the road doing the uh, the disco festival kind of stuff. Uh, we, I, uh, you were also in uh, uh, Istanbul when there was all that funny business, uh, which you missed. Everybody was fine, certainly your end, right? Yes, we uh, we we didn't miss it by much, though. Um, We'd been in that airport the day before, and we're due back in there about four hours from, maybe five hours from the time when that all happened. Wow. So, scary business. It's quite scary. And uh, during the show, when people started getting text messages, you saw people going to the exits, and people started crying and hugging oh, each Jesus. other. It was really uh, well, pretty yeah. uh, deep. Well, let's have music can unite all, and you are spreading the message of love and disco around the world. So you're playing tonight, or did you play last night? Uh, we're playing tonight. We're on tour right now with Duran Duran here in the uh, North American part of the world, and uh, tonight we'll be here in Toronto. Then we'll have a few nights off from that tour and continue as Chic in Halifax, Nova Scotia, and then we have a private show far, far away in Switzerland, and then Sunday we'll be back to play with Duran Duran in Massachusetts. Rock and roll. (laughs) Yeah. Or disco and roll or something like that. Wow, that's 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 intense but well, that sounds like it's going to be quite fun first class presumably with private jet and uh, you know reclining bed and all that just to make sure that the uh, there is actually there is actually a private charter involved in the switzerland and back trip but uh, most of our travel is commercial and most of it here has been pretty short hops you know hour or two in the sky kind of stuff we, we were last in detroit before this and we were in chicago before that and those are all about less than an hour's flight apart Right, so it's it's fairly straightforward. Well, I'm very pleased to hear that uh, a you're all okay, and b you're having a lot of fun and spreading the love. So uh, thanks for joining us, Rich. Very pleased to be doing that. Thank you. And let's go to our other guest, who is Mr. Gaz Williams, who was very uh, he's back again. Last week we it was <laughs> me and him, and uh, we managed to fill the airwaves with 
endless words, uh, <laughs> uh, but it seemed to be uh, all right. It was good fun. Thank you. And thank you for joining us again, uh, Gaz. Gaz Williams, of course, oh, yeah. bass player, music technologist, uh, producer, gazwilliams.me, uh, where you can find his probably largely out of date uh, oh, uh, blog. Out of date. <laughs> oh, oh, no. I'm embarrassed. Yeah. Sorry. It needs some love, the blog. Hmm. Sorry. Uh, yes, but hello, everybody. Uh, really nice to be here again. I felt a little bit um, wasn't sure because like last week we had such a long chat. So, uh, but yes, I'm back. So it was great. It was great fun. Great fun. And uh, sad to say, unfortunately, that night Wales didn't manage to uh, win their <laughs> semi-final. But, you know, it was a, still a, a good run. I know you're not wearing the red shirt today of Wales. So, you know, more of a green kind of just general vibe <laughs> shirt, right? Yeah, uh, Orkney, Orkney shirt. Ah, how, and how have you been getting? You, I, saw, I noticed you posted a little video of you noodling with the uh, H9. So you've been presumably having a lot of fun with that Eventide uh, effects processor, which arrived, I think, the morning of last show, and you hadn't had a chance to check it out, right? Yeah, I think. Yeah, that's right. So it is. Uh, it is. Yeah, it's terrific. I mean, one of the topics we're going to talk about uh, it does have a connection there. Um, so I'll mention it in a bit. But I think uh, the iPad app is ex extremely good i mean look you know i got it here so when i'm working i'm just you know it's nice I, i'm just playing with the controls and it's so it's a really really nice uh control system so i think they've done very well on that um and that uh, just that those algorithms it's something that i've always wanted i think which is like a, a digital processor that can do you know fancy digital things but doesn't glitch like crazy when you're trying to do creative sort of movements on them i think that's where it really shines so far excellent well i'm glad to hear that okay let's get on with the show obviously we've got the elephant in the room which is this <laughs> wow oh nice it's not so uncluttered that the panel it's great go robbie it's <laughs> huge. Oh, I'm liking it already. It, it just kind of begs for you to push and fader and, you know, see what happens. I like a lot, of, I love pulse things. It's got that, it's almost, almost sounds like two oscillators in sync. And almost at the same time, like a sort of pulse. That's fantastic. Oh, initial reaction is, when can I get it? <laughs> oh, I've wanted something like this for so long. Right, there we go. That's the uh, the second of the Behringer teasers, uh, which in time-honoured tradition is uh, blurry shots and artist reactions. <laughs> I should say uh, I am under NDA on this because many, many months ago, in fact, last year at some point, I was asked to go and see something as a work in progress. So I can't really comment on any other facts. But uh, before we start on any other people's thoughts about it, I wanted to say that uh, the team that have been working on this are the guys at Midas HQ in Manchester and uh, who make, you know, some pretty impressive analogue engineering when it comes to uh, the consoles over there. And some very, very smart people are working on this. And uh, I, I got to speak to some of them like many months ago. So I would say I, I have high hopes 
but uh, I should now hand over Gaz. Mm. Well, I mean... Are you okay uh, with cheeses? <laughs> yeah, no, uh, they're really frustrating. <laughs> um, so this is very cool because it's obviously going to happen very soon. And the uh, it is what... It is, I think we've been wanting something of that form. I think it's I think Robbie's bang on with that in the quote in the video there. So I think people are going to love this one. I think it's uh uh you know I think it's not a min, you know it's a full size keyboard. I, I think Yeah, certainly not mini keys there. That's that's no, a positive. And I, I, I think it's a you know because we know the story, don't we, that uh, Uli Beringer that's his first thing he built a, a synth. This is a project when he was a lad, and, yeah. So this project is very close to his heart and, and it's an original design. It's a bespoke design, isn't it? You know, the Behringer of the past were the ones who were copying everything. But Behringer in recent years, especially since the Midas acquisition, have been making terrific pro products in their own right, aren't they? They're not clones there. So, so the company, I think we have to accept the company has moved on. And I think that may help get over certain... Uh, prejudices people may have because i mean one of the things that they really are up against is do people want to have a synth that has behringer em emblazoned on it i suppose I, I mean i think the one thing that i would say is that when they did the x32 i mean i reviewed it here and i must admit i was blown away by it and you know i still i use a behringer uh, digital mixer now and i, I think that was because a lot of that kind of midas technology which was a very smart buy because it's a bunch of you know brilliant engineers there created something that was actually really good you know and and i think the world probably they probably needed to do that because at the time uh they were considered to be kind of second best you know or, or a bit like x or y or whatever and I, and I think at one point that was fair but i think you're right it's not quite the same thing now but these these things probably going to take a bit of time to change opinion aren't they so it's not necessarily going to be something that is uh, immediate um it looks like rich is disconnected that's that oh. pesky hotel bandwidth. So we managed to get a hello out of him. So we'll have to uh, we'll have to waffle on for a bit. Oh, it's gone. So let me see if I can uh, just bring him back a second. Uh, I do beg your pardons. I did actually post. Uh, or I did. I filmed um, just talking uh, as an aside for a minute. I posted a. Um, uh, a rig rundown of my live set setup uh, because. Uh, that was requested a lot in the in the chat room. So uh, in the comments of the Cymru Beats gig, which I, I have to say I'm blown away by the response to that. So uh, I filmed one yesterday and I pre played it pre-show. So I'll probably uh, get that out online probably beginning of next week. So I'm just trying to get in touch with Rich. Not looking so good. I'm suspecting he might have uh, internet connection issues. So Gaz, looks mm. like it's me and you once again. Maybe if Rich ha comes back... Uh, he could discuss it. But uh, let's suffice to say, I, I think there will be more uh, information coming out on this new Behringer synth soon. But uh, as, yeah. as uh, I yeah. mean, as Uli has said uh, on a number of occasions, you know, he's just really into the idea. It's, it's like one of those stories, you know, big businessman wants to go back to his roots and, yeah. and, and create the create synths because he's a bit of a synth. We seem to have Rich back. So maybe we can, uh, we can, we can have it. I, I, we understand, Rich, that you're going to be, uh, your internet connection is, uncharted territory because you are in a hotel but thank you very much for personal well, not, not only that but the power to the entire street went down about an hour ago <laughs> so 
who knows? And I had to actually walk flights of stairs to get back to my room and stuff like that. So we'll see how it goes. Wow. I, I, did, I thought Canada was kind of first world. I didn't realize it was, uh, it, it, <laughs> it was quite so. Well, they're all promising me that this is very unusual. Yeah, I'm sure it is. But so anyway, Rich, I guess uh, we were just talking about uh, Gaz's thoughts on this whole thing. I mean, I guess the whole teaser uh, video thing is something that either you love or you hate. Everybody seems to want to know everything now. But uh, I guess the thing is, in many cases, perhaps when you when you're working on the idea for marketing, the synth might not be ready. So you can't, you know, you can't do it all at once, I suppose. But anyway, I, I won't say any more. Well, I I can't comment on this instrument because i know nothing about it okay analog synthesizer though can never have too well, many <laughs> every everybody loves the word analog now <laughs> so what else would you call it i i just don't i feel like i can't say anything about a product i don't know anything about fair enough but uh, i think there's going to be some more videos coming soon uh so we'll, we'll then you know we'll find out like the name hopefully what? the price all uh, of those things those teasers are sort of depend. Uh, the people's kind of how far you can stretch them with a teaser. You know, it's like how many weeks can you push that teaser? Certain teasers, like the um, the reface ones and various. You know, it's like people will kind of get really grumpy if they leave that tease too long. I think. <laughs> I'm sure you're right. I'm sure you're right. Well, we'll see. Um, okay, so, uh, well, hopefully news will be uh, forthcoming on that. Right, what's the next thing? Ah, yeah, this is big. This is, this is a big, there's been a big push on this recently. This is the uh, Eventide H910 available as a native plugin. And in this video, I didn't know that this was some of these sounds. Right, that one. Grace Jones. All my Bowie albums start off with a phone call, and uh, this was no different this one time. He phoned up from Switzerland where he lived, and uh, he had Brian Eno as a house guest, and Brian Eno was on another extension in the house. It's a they good said, story, this. going to bring to the table. We'd like to, you to co-produce, you know. And I said, well, I said, uh, I've been, I've got, you know, a couple of nice digital devices in my studio and uh, one I just got recently it's called a harmonizer and they said well what does it do and I said hard to explain but I'd have to, I, if I'd said what it does I would say that it fucks with the fabric of time <laughs> bleep and they dropped their phones and I heard whoop whoop you know like <laughs> jumping around they they needed to hear something like that to you know this is missing piece obviously I love Tony Visconti's productions. I think his early Bowie stuff and some of and uh, some of the T Rex stuff is just absolutely awesome. So hearing him talk about technology like this, particularly something that because I, I think the Eventide ha uh, hardware was such a uh, an unusual thing because most things were reverbs and delays, you know, time domain things that were ba you know about that type of digital stuff. So this was one of the first, and it really did obviously unlock a whole lot of production stuff i don't know i know we've talked a little bit about harmonizer stuff before because they did a pack didn't they recently rich where there was a bunch of different uh algorithms available 910 mm -hmm. though i mean unlocked a lot of new sounds for a lot of people around that time i did not know it did that kind of descending drum sound which was uh pull up to my bumper i think was the grace jones track i didn't know that was h910 i'm pleased that i do know though oh sure i knew well, it's envelope controlled in that case, but yes, it's 
brilliant classic piece of hardware. I hope that the software is accurately recreating what they had in hardware. I'm pretty confident it will. Um, uh, Sound Toys had released a couple of years ago something. Um, I tried to remember the name of it. A uh, little microshift that did some of the things we all knew and loved about the 910 harmonizer. And Ken was obviously uh, the guy from Sound Toys, a former Eventide developer, as was one of his main programmers, Bob. So it made all the sense in the world that they would do stuff based on those original Eventide designs. And now Eventide is in the software business, too. And uh, the things I've used by them have been wonderful, so I have no reason to think this won't be. Yeah, and it's. I think they've added... Uh, I've got the page up here, actually. I think they've added uh, keyboard control, so you can dial in the... Um, uh, it always had keyboard uh, I keep sorry not the keyboard control but put it in the software so you can you know press the key mm. on the actual software and uh, there was uh, there was also uh, they've done a whole series of interviews they they did uh, the guys from uh, Throbbing Gristle and also uh, Laurie Anderson who said you know it really made a massive difference to the sound because she used to take it out live and she said it was the glitch thing there's a thing where you get it to sort of 99 and it would flip oscillate between 99 and 1 and then get to 1 and it would go 102 or 101 and 102 and that would create an unusual sound and apparently they've they've maintained that which i think is you know obviously one of the sounds that endeared it to many people that sort of unpredictable side of digital which is not something that you would automatically think would be you know it was more a mistake perhaps than than by design right i know gaz have you got any uh i mean you've got the h9 i'm presuming there must be a 910 type of algorithm in there <laughs> yes and if you get the basic model of the h9 the core it comes with one algorithm, and that is the H9, uh, H910, uh, 9, oh, I can't remember, hang on, what's it called? I've got it here. The H910, H949 as well. So it, it sort of models both of those. Um, mod, uh, so you can, t so one of the parameters is you can go between those different, and they do uh, different algorithms, and they do sound remarkably different. But I, I, I've just got it here. I've been playing with it. Um, uh, on a track I've, I've so I've got a snare drum running through it at the moment and i and i've been getting those very things that you were just talking about uh the slate uh pull up to the bumper those brrr, um sn uh, snare drum hits but i was uh, I, i've just been researching it about the the sound on um back in black uh acdc the snare with a subtle detuned and just uh oh, i just sort of fattens it up right yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, because I, I I'd only ever read about this stuff. So um, the H nine, it sounds amazing, actually. I've got to be honest. Uh, so I was looking at the price of the this plugin. It's one hundred and eighty nine pounds, and the Eventide H nine Core is about three hundred and fifty pounds. So, well, well, actually, I would uh, just at the moment until the end of July, it's ninety nine bucks. This one, uh, at regular price is two four nine, and you receive the H nine ten dual plugin, so you can have a left and right going on there. I believe that's what uh, that would be doing. So there is a bit of it. They do that from time to. Uh, um, there was some comments because we had the news item on uh, on Sonic, and somebody was commenting saying you didn't mention it has a, it needs iLock. It doesn't need iLock hardware, but it does need an iLock. 
uh, authorization account, which is machine based. I think you can link that to two. So yeah, it does have copy protection. But I mean, what you're going to do, you can't kind of give this stuff away. I mean, these algorithms have value. And until someone comes up with the sort of foolproof way of, of it never going wrong, and you're always having a plugin when you need it, at the same time as not letting everybody steal it, I suppose that's we're, we're kind of stuck with what we got. But um, that's the way it goes. So, um, yeah, that's available now. You can check that out, eventideaudio.com, uh, uh, and uh, there's the deal there. And there are some great artist videos of, uh, like I say, there's Cozy Fanny and Chris Carter of Throbbing Gristle. And who knew, you know, that I thought they were kind of completely renegade, kind of, you know, using cassettes and the cheapest, but they used to have a mate who worked at Brit Row, which, and they hired the, the H910, as one of the foot, because they got access to these things for cheaply. And then as soon as they made any money out of it, they bought one each <laughs> and they used them yeah. live and they used to put it on everything, which I just thought that's kind of quite, that's quite, I like that story. So yeah, there's a load of really interesting videos and artist interviews around that. So well worth checking out. I, I guess actually, what's the time now? We could, uh, uh, no, let's, let's take a look. Let's go uh, to the next one. Oh yeah, this was, uh, this was interesting. This was a video from a guy called Hack Attack who's just got a couple of uh, iPads with Reason and a K-Oscillator. Pretty sort of basic mobile setup, although he doesn't say what the mixer is. The idea behind this obviously being um, no sync, very simple, and it's nice and creative. Uh, and he's a really interesting guy, actually. This uh, Jakob Huck from Sweden, he does uh, a vlog which has loads of tips on, you know, how to work with mo- very similar sort of things that we do, but, but mo- uh, practical tips about how to get the most out of very small setups and he's obviously quite a creative guy. It's a nice piece, this, actually. I won't play it all, but I, I'm, I thought this one would appeal to you, Gaz, being such a fan of mobile uh, devices and what have you. Yeah, it's great. Uh, Jacob is a, has become a brilliant member of the, you know, YouTube community or whatever you want to call it, uh, with his... Uh, ridiculously enthusiastic i mean people say i'm enthusiastic i mean he is brilliant he's so he's just so excitable uh and makes his videos are great because his music is good and um but this stuff is uh yeah yeah i used to have one of them little yellow chaos i've got one somewhere i tried to incorporate it to my set but it was just too uh, i couldn't master it (laughs) um but it is it is uh it is fun to do things without sync as well as it's fun to do stuff with sync. So, um, but this lack of sync, <laughs> those little boxes, they thrive on sync, don't they? Cause like the gate is all sorts of stuff. Um, ah, I don't know. Um, What's, what's the question, though, Nick? What we I'm not sure there was about? one, to be honest. I just thought it was a nice, compact setup. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and, you know, I just thought it was a kind of cool, a, a cool series and a cool, a, a cool channel as well. In fact, his, uh, yeah. his place is called, it's the Sound Test Room, and you can see all of his stuff. Uh, so you can get yeah. uh, uh, all of his kind of uh, videos that he does. There's another, there's another chap from the Sound Test Room, a British guy, and he, um, he has been doing lots and lots of videos for ios stuff is that doug woods doug woods doug woods yeah yeah doug he's a he's another really these, these people have proved to be extremely and, and obviously tim webb at discord have really stood stuck by the ios music community Re- done a brilliant job i think in keeping keeping it informed and keeping it you know keeping that whole scene buoyant really i think uh yeah 
well done to him, I think. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And um, we've got Rich back, so I can come to him now. <laughs> I've just got to make his screen the right size. Sorry about this. This is a bit, a bit like cat and mouse. It's like uh, network cat and mouse. So, Rich, uh, I think the thing about this is, is you know, compact setup. I know you take, uh, you've got a kind of small rig that you take, you know, for live, so maybe a MacBook. And uh, have you got a Motu Traveler? I can't remember what it is that you said you took. Uh, I have a couple of interfaces. The one in my bag right now is Apache One, which is suitable just for playback of, of uh, resident samples in my laptop. Um, when I need to do anything more than that, I bring a Motu Ultralight Hybrid Mark III, which is a brilliant piece of gear for money, co- you know, for cost, for size, for capability, inputs and output quantity. It's got MIDI. It connects via USB or Firewire. It's a terrific piece of equipment. I don't, I don't happen to have that with me right now, but uh, the FG1 is in my bag right now if I do need it. So, I mean, I know you've got an iPad mini or had an iPad mini. I mean, are you finding you using that? Are you noodling on that from time to time when you're sat in the, uh, sat in the hotel lobby or the, the waiting in the, in the hotel stuff? Or do you try to kind of tend to zone out and listen to books or whatever it is that you might do? Are you kind of keeping the music out of it in your downtime? Oh. Yeah. Ah, oh, look at that. Times. Ah. Oh, there he is. We got him. I do occasionally um, use it for music purposes, and I have used it on stage on occasion to create uh, certain sort of synth effects that wouldn't otherwise be available in my Rompler-based rig that I use. So um, I do I do use it a little bit, but not on my iOS devices, and I hardly ever use them for things other than defining pitch in my head or just um, checking chord structures or something. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I think uh, it's probably time to uh, talk competition time. But first, a word from our sponsors. This is the Isotope Vocal Synth, multifunctional vocal processor, vocoder, harmonizer, computer voice. This is the Polyvox, which does harmonies, which is what you're hearing now. Well, I have said it before, that's the X-Isotope Fairy. Vocoder, which is more your sort of classic robot. A CompuVox, which is more your sort of craft work type stuff. TalkBox, as we know. But without having to have a uh, dribbly tube coming from your mouth. You can find out more about this at isotope.com forward slash synth think outside the box with isotope vocal synth and of course we do have competition uh, you can actually win a copy of vocal synth uh, if you want to this week uh we, they're giving away yet another copy all you need to do is get on twitter because that's the easiest way we can find to collect the entries uh, you need to tweet the hashtag synthesize with a z on the end and the hashtag vocal synth to at sonic state and at isotope inc and that for those listening hash tweet the hashtag synthesize and the hashtag vocal synth to at sonic state and at isotope inc uh, once again we thank them for their sponsorship of the show but we've also got a winner from last week uh last week we have a winner uh, called uh bivalver on twitter at bivalver b-i-v-a-l-v-e-r on twitter he tweeted if i don't enter someone else will win a vocoder right 
and he tweeted the hashtags that we are. So uh, by Valva, if you want to get in touch, we can get Isotope onto you and uh, they will be able to send you your very own copy of Vocal Synth. Right, uh, next on the list, let's see what we have here. Oh yeah, finally, we got a bit more matrix synth action this is the uh, obviously the super synth from artoria that we've been hoping to uh hear I mean, we were expecting about now but i think it's a little bit delayed the many functions of matrix boot filter section matrix boot has two different kinds of filters the first one is formos steinopaka filter with low pass bandpass high pass and notch let's listen to it i won't play the whole thing because it's quite a sort of procedural but it's the first time i've actually heard it demonstrated in kind of depth where you get to hear what these things are capable of because certainly when i've seen it in the flesh it's actually a little bit complicated to use because it's got the two filters then it's got which is the steiner parker and the ladder filter but it's also got this kind of master filter offset which i didn't really get my head around how it works so this is the first in a series of videos that's going to go in depth which is a great idea so hopefully um, that'll help them tread water until the thing's going to become available i mean hoping by autumn i mean they're going to want it in the shops by christmas but it's still every time you see it you just think oh that looks like a great synth to have around the place it's really there's something about a massive sort of synthesizer that just goes look at me i'm a synthesizer i'm kind of <laughs> i don't know why it makes me feel like i want to get my hands on it well you said didn't you when you've been doing your uh fantastic i must say live sets you've been saying about the the sub 37's rake compared to the the dominion being flat you you prefer that rake don't you as a synthesis mind you you For are live an yeah you are an ms20 veteran though as well well it's just you? easier to see because you can have everything a bit higher up mm -hmm. uh but i mean that is unquestionably a, a a major part of the appeal of the matrix boot though isn't it just you can lie it flat it will lie flat as well so uh, it flip, sure, flip, sure. flips up but yeah get the option sure, sure, sure but uh you know i think i think that is going to prove to be a very popular a very popular synth when when it finally comes out i mean how long has it been we didn't know about it before january though did we uh i think it was yeah i think it was nam wasn't it that it was first yeah it was first brought out that the sort of initial i guess what they what do they call the hms which are handmade samples i think before you go into production uh so it's so it's not, it, it, a lot of people have been banging on about blah, 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 where is it, blah, blah, blah. But it's, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's all, you always, you, when you always get a kind of, yeah, it'll be ready now. Never is by then, because obviously, you know, you just don't get the option. There are a few flying around. Have you seen one in the States, Rich? Because there have been ones on the road and kind of going into stores and what have you. And they are, have you seen one in the flesh at all? Have not. I'm I'm secretly getting. I know it's big, and it's not necessarily something you'd heave on a plane or take on a sheet gig. But is it the sort of thing you'd like to have sitting on a sitting on a on the table at the back of your studio and reaching for? It's got a lot of uh, a tweakability factor, right? It might be. <laughs> I, I mean, it looks nice. I mean, you know, it kind of looks like a. It reminds me of the Schmidt, which also looks nice. Um, That's true. Yeah. But because just because it's big and it's got a lot of stuff on it, um, and they both seem to sound really good. But given what I do on stage with this band, it's not really that relevant to the vast majority of what I do. And also, given the fact that we mostly rent backline gear, um, 
trying to incorporate something like that, which won't be as widely available as sure. certain other pieces that I do use, makes it sort of impractical for our purposes. But would I love to play around with one or have one? Absolutely. Did I? Did I? Did you get hold of a mini or a micro brute? I can't remember. Did I see one? Or- I have a micro. I have a micro brute on my desk at home that I love. Yeah, there's something about that that is it. It it's a complete charismatic little synthesizer uh i'll switch to here because richard's gone picks ah he's back now yeah it's got i'm hoping it's got at least some of that sort of vibe about it plus plus some more but uh, oh i'm thinking it should be like like exponentially cooler and that's cool i love the micro breeds I, I i like to joke that some guys for their midlife crisis buy a red sports car and i bought a 250 dollars synthesizer <laughs> good for you uh, and you could extrapolate that, you know, because usually when they say you buy a car because of their other inadequacies. So in that, if you take right. the inverse principle of that theory, then you, you're doing fine, Rich. That's all I'd like to say. Absolutely. <laughs> I bought a tiny little synthesizer to uh, enhance to, your Mac. To claim, to claim how giant I am. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, yeah, I, I did actually have some communication with Glenn Darcy, who's one of the guys behind it, uh, and he said, yeah, there's been a little bit of a hold-up with just... Uh, what generally happens with these things is, you know, you get your you book your slot, the boards are made, they come back, and it's like, oh, man, you know, there's an issue, so you have to send them back, and they get to, And then, you know, you get, you get to the final production run, and then it's all systems go. So I think there's just... You know, but you have to wait for whatever that cycle is in... in you know, getting the manufacturer slot. So I think that's probably what's happening here. And I think they're aiming, it's definitely going to be happening this year, probably, I'd imagine, towards the end of the summer now, because there's no point in releasing something kind of right in bang in the summer, because people are going to probably be thinking more towards uh, Thanksgiving and uh, Christmas and all that sort of stuff. So hopefully we'll see it. And I, I am putting my name down as, please, can I be a review? I think, actually, it's going to be, even though it's a monitor, it's going to be a really big job to review, because there are so many things in there, with the, what with the matrix and the patching. And obviously, with all of those patch points, the modularity of it is going to be really fascinating. In fact, I think I said before, you know, just the actual CV matrix with programmable attenuation and routing and attenu version would be a really cool idea for a product. But I don't know whether that's feasible because the the internal voltages are logic control. Whereas if you did it with actual control voltages, you'd need a whole bunch of expensive electronics to do a 16 by 16 one of those. In fact, I spoke to Sebastian about that, so it would be very expensive. But... It's not forgotten. They're bringing more videos out uh, uh, in place of actually the hardware. So let's get on to uh, what's this one? This was the next video. This is the Spitfire Unity Chapel organ. Union Chapel. Union Chapel. I beg you. I do beg your pardon. And this is the teaser. I have to say, it does sound absolutely gorgeous there's another video where he's breaking down this track and how it's built because it's a contact instrument with uh, I think it's like seven it's nearly eight gigabytes of compressed data that I guess it decompresses into this into contact but the Union Chapel organ has has been um, I'll let that sing out lovingly sampled it's uh, basically it's a it's a 
product by it's a, a Spitfire Audio. They've done a lot of really large, impressive, unusual sample libraries. This is another one. It requires full contact. Uh, it's got I don't know three, three over three thousand samples, all sorts of close far mic, all the different stops and the tubes are all catered for. And in the piece that uh, that's there, which they break down later, what you can really hear is what the original organ maker was getting at when he was trying to make it sound like reeds, violins. It, it, it actually really does, and I've never really heard it that detailed before, and I just thought, oh, that, that's like really quite an appealing thing. I don't know, Rich, I know you've you've been impressed with the uh, the physicality of, of large organs in an actual large space, you know, that do that thing. I mean, and this does sound pretty nice, right? Have you had a chance? Well, I, I'm, I'm sorry to say I didn't. I, my preparation for this podcast didn't get that far down the page. So I'm going to have to go back afterwards and check it out. But do you think, I mean, because the thing about the, the, the organ is, you know, because when we see them, you know, we're so used to reality when, when, it, when you kind of pull a, push a button that says strings, we kind of expect it to sound like real strings. But it's about the way that it's played. I mean, the thing that I liked about this organ, and I'm sure you must have experienced this with organs in real life, is... If they're played correctly and the the voicing is right, you can actually get a sense of what the the original designers, you know, which many hundreds of years ago were getting at in terms of those voicings, right? Well, because it's a physical installation, it's the original sound surround sound device. The pipes are not always located just at one end of the room. The organ is quite often splayed out throughout the space, and so as you invoke various ranks of pipes. The sound is physically moving through the space. I mean, I don't know of any other way to have done that prior to uh, electronic presentations. I wonder how much of that, because I, I, you can't tell so much from that recording. I wonder how much of that is going on, because presumably, you know, they must have recorded it. Love, you know, when Spitfire are known for their their kind of detail and the, and the kind of the uniqueness of their libraries, and they've come they've come sort of in probably in the last twelve months, really kind of come front and center in these kind of big statement, bold libraries that will get you sounds that you just can't find anywhere else. I mean, in many ways, you know, that that's something I really like to hear much more in much more detail if I could find the disk space. I know, Gaz, are you? Uh, are you a, a fan of the uh, it's hard to say something without thinking smutty is it are you a fan of the big organ i yeah uh, i do beg yeah. your pardon no i mean this is this is something i'm particularly interested in do you remember when i was in paris uh, in 2013 i was going to see uh, an organist play at uh, uh Stache cathedral uh, right in the center of paris um uh jean guilou this absolutely incredible organist uh and I was dead set on trying to get a sample library made of that organ. It's different from the Union Chapel organ, which that is amazing as well. I've got another story about that. But the um, but people said, ah, oh, no, this there's, there's probably not enough market in it for. <laughs> and then when I saw this, I was like, ah, oh, see, see, I was right. Now the thing was amazing with that organ, and uh, that I, I experienced was that. Um, Jean Guillou had been the organist at that cathedral since 1964. Wow. He, tra he trained under Olivia Messiaen as well. So he's a very, you know, just an incredible guy. And, uh, but he knew all the time, the, de the decay time of the building. So there's enormous sub bass that he plays on the organ and he would know what the sort of reflections were. So he would play, he'd play with the rhythm of the reflections of the echoes. 
uh, and it was just so incredible to experience. You know, the, I was thinking the guy is playing the building. You know, he's really playing the building, and it was a, 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 a. To be honest, it's one of the most moving musical experiences of my life. I went and seen him play about four times, and each uh, and, and especially when he would do a Bach piece and then he would do one of his own compositions and his own compositions were just psych psychedelic absolutely amazing uh well i it, it was psychedelic for me i can tell you <laughs> um <laughs> uh, it, yes so so anyway what it i had re a personal revelation about what an incredibly expressive instrument the church organ oh the cathedral you know one of these large i mean the one jean plays i think is a five manual organ you know uh, five manuals uh and you know this is uh this was like the biggest workstation of its day wasn't it yeah you know? yeah i mean you couldn't you know i can't imagine many people got a chance to play that i would imagine but yeah and composing for it you know you'd probably need to sit and play to it and then you'd know how to score it so i mean you're right about the the, the bass notes because i'd imagine you know you need to play them for perhaps less time because the note will ring out for longer and the one thing i did like about this and it probably won't have come across in the in the demo is they've sampled the really big low ones and you can crank them really loud because in the room they have a balance but you can sort of tip the balance so it's more bass heavy so you get these incredible tones nice. I mean, they're just like oh, it's a start i don't know what they use to record I, i'm sure there's probably specifications on it here i think i've got the web page up uh uh where is it yeah i don't think it says exactly what it is um but yes like i say you do need the full uh, full version of contact uh, 149 UK pounds, 229 bucks, uh, 209 uh, euros approximately. Of course, it's very hard to take track of that particular exchange rate at the moment, but looks like a lot of fun. Sorry, Gaz. Yeah, I just wanted to say, because I was sorry, I was deviating to this place in Paris away from this particular thing, which is done at the Union Chapel. And I just wanted to mention about Union Chapel because we did a concert there as part of the Carl Hyde tour Uh and the acoustics in that place are absolutely amazing. What, even because, for a percussive kind of band with drums and stuff? Well, we were doing, we were, we didn't, no, we didn't have drums on that tour. Ah. We were, we were all elect, you know, um, we were using electronics. Um, but we were doing a lot of, there were number, numerous tracks which were very ambient. Some of the Brian Eno tracks, um, the collaboration stuff that we were doing so it it, it was uh you, we could really enjoy the that particular space but it's interesting in that it's that the main area is kind of circular which is really unusual for the type of church that it is so it's got the most incredible physical internal dimensions the union chapel so i think this is really interesting for the organ but also because of those particular qualities of the union chapel as well so it's, it's amazing I'm, I'm amazed it's just that this has come out it's brilliant really exciting yeah it looks uh, just uh jim jar jimmy in the sonic rc chat room says he heard a story about the organ at the royal albert hall that when they restored it they had to disconnect the lowest register pipes as they were at the resonant frequency of the building and when they played them the roof began to shape shake and they were all showered with dust i can yeah. i can honestly believe that because some of these pipes are ludicrously uh enormous you know i mean they can get these fundamental tones that are, i mean i imagine the poor person who's having to kind of you know 
man the pumps must be working real hard to shift that amount of air. In fact, I think in some of the bigger organs, they have multiple uh, separate pumpers because it would all done man, and presumably now it's all done electrically, which uh, to drive the different sections. Am I right there, Rich? I wasn't sure whether that was a nod or a shake. I'm sorry. Ask me the question again. That about uh, some of the really large organs, they need multiple pumpers because for the for some of the lower well, notes, you'd have to move more they're air. Mostly, they're mostly motorized. Yeah. I mean, and uh, the best case in point is that thing in the Atlantic City Convention Center, which has the biggest pipes ever created. It has a base pipe that's some 60-odd feet long and many inches in diameter for bay. I mean... I, the, it's just so incredible to see an electrical, electromechanical device of that size exciting a space. It's it's really a, a thing to behold. And I'm even as as the Baroque era, it would drop people's jaws to have the music appearing from different places. And oh, I can imagine around the room. It's it's really a wonderful kind of thing. It, mu- it must, yeah, it must have been very uh, at the time. Must have been a, a bit of a spiritual experience, which I guess was what it was for. So I mean, you know, that's that was the design. That was the design. It, it must it have was, been. Yeah, it was all the surround sound anybody ever heard or needed at the time. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, because you, you couldn't sit in the middle of the orchestra, but you could sit in the middle of a room full of pipes. Ah, yes, that's true. Good point. And I guess uh, orchestras probably weren't around so much at the beginning of the uh, pipe organ stuff. Maybe, I don't know what, the, the was 1700s maybe? I'm not sure when they were. Chamber fit. ensemble. You had chamber ensembles. You didn't get into what were considered larger orchestras, I don't think, until you got into the 1800s. But even Beethoven's biggest orchestra, I don't think, was more than 50 people. Right. Okay. That was huge. For its day. Yeah, I guess so. Well, I guess there weren't that many people who were that good or could afford instruments or, yeah. And you couldn't travel so easily from place to place. So, you could, you know, if you didn't live in whatever it was, Vienna, you weren't going to play in Vienna's orchestra because commuting there from whatever, from Germany or wherever, it's a, it's a long haul yeah. by horse and buggy. <laughs> and I suppose if you if you you would have instruments made around specific ensembles, because then if you went to another city and joined another ensemble, their fundamental tuning frequency might actually be a bit different. In which case, your instrument might not perform in quite the same way, or is that pushing it a bit too far? I'm not sure. I'm not sure they were as focused on those kinds of pitch uh, center issues. You know, whether that whole. 432 and 440 debate you know i don't think anybody was thinking about it i think you were lucky you could get close <laughs> back then <laughs> portsmouth symphonia was the order of the day if you ever heard that that's a great one well, of course i did ah excellent i'm so glad to hear that anyway the organ is uh, it's got multiple multiple oops multiple perspectives uh close stereo ambient outriggers uh, included stops a swell oops let's come back to here swell uh, oh, swell contragamba 16 opened up lots basically, so it does look like a great fun. It also gives me the opportunity. To, I don't know if you remember this, this was another, another great uh piece, uh, which I think is uh, we we looked at this with Joseph Krychek, who played uh, this was an organ piece with him and Mini Moog, and I just absolutely love this piece, yeah, to death. Amazing. I keep coming back to it, and every time I hear it, it makes me feel very emotionally some way or another it's absolutely beautiful I, i'm going to play a little bit of it just because i can i think if i and there's something about the organist who looks like 
Pinocchio's father. You know, he just looks like he's so he, he's so into it. I'll see if I can play a bit. I just think it's such a beautiful piece, this. And there, uh, Joseph Krychek is there playing along with it, and then he plays the mini a bit later on. Let's see if I can get to it, because I just... I, I, this, this is how good a, a... Where is it? Here we go. Yeah, he starts to play, so that's the motif, and then... I like the way the organ wheezes. Mm. Oh, I love that. I'll put a link in the show notes because I think everybody who's into Moogs and into organs should hear that because it really is a sort of quintessential, brilliant, death-defining thing of a synthesizer and a church organ at the same time. There's not <laughs> many people who can pull that off, and I think it was brilliant. Um have we got any? Oh yeah, this was this was interesting, uh, and it might it might yield some in some uh, discussion. Hopefully, <laughs> Korg Mini Log. Right, this is the new. Uh, obviously, as we know, I mean, people are still finding it hard to get hold of these because they can't make enough of them. Uh, there's a new sound librarian for it, which you might think well, that's a bit crazy because it's sort of analog synthesizer. Why does it need that? This is and also a sound pack UK producer set, which is from a guy called Dan Goldman, who's a brilliant keyboard player and he's done some great patches. And he uh, also does a lot of reviews, I think, for Future Music, if I'm correct. So there's a whole bunch of sounds uh, from those guys, and also another chap called. Old, uh, I've got it here. Tim Mantle of Psalm 63, thir- no, 36, I think. Th- uh, Psalm 37, that's the word I was looking for. And um, it wasn't really so much that, um, I-, I mean, I'm a big fan of the Minilog. I think it's actually a really good instrument considering the price point and all of those things. But it was more like, okay, patch librarians. As we all know, you know, when you're producing, uh, it's one thing, but when you're creating a live set and you've got multiple instruments and you need to kind of arrange them in the right order and all of those things, it's a nightmare unless you've got a librarian and you can move them around so much because there's always a, there's always a fear, at least for me, even if I've got a backup of a SysX dump, I somehow think it might not work. And in fact, that's happened to me a couple of times while I've been doing this set where I've come back and it's like, oh, that's not how I remember it. And, you know, I'm a bit not with the mini log, but with other things. So I'm just wondering, how do you handle patches and that sort of thing? I don't know, Gaz, I mean, because presumably, you know, when you're doing stuff with your um, foot pedals and uh, the, the, that sort of things, you know, how do you handle the patching sort of dilemma? Because obviously there's that other thing where you've created a load of things and you think, I've got to save it somewhere. And you go, where can I save it? Because you can't see yeah. where you've saved it until, you know, how do you, how do you deal with that? Well, uh, I'm... I'm, it's something I've been dealing with very much in the last two weeks, really. And um, uh, so the Eventide, again, sorry, the H9, that's got its own iPad app. Now, that's got a brilliant patch management system on it. So what that lets you do is any time you, you want to save what what you've just done, you just save it and it just, just joins the list of that particular algorithm then you can go to a lists page and you can go set list and you can choose a set list and you can make a set list up and then you can ping it to the pedal so you can you can create all your different set lists or oh, in any app. order right yeah and it's uh it's very very good so that's what i'm doing at the moment i'm build because i'm using the uh patch changing of the h9 to then send patch change data to my electron analog four but then presumably you need to manage the patches in there so that they're in the right order <laughs> not no because on the h9 app ah, uh, you have an in got, and an out you've got a program map a pro a pro, uh, program change map so i can actually set things up there to do 
Um, I see. If it goes, if it goes out of sync, I can just change what the maps are. But uh, to be honest, though, sorry, I don't want to be too boring about this. Uh, Having it all then on the iPad app, where I can arrange the order, um, is it's all it's quite new to me. I'm working on it at the moment, but um, it seems to be. A, a neat a neat way of doing it because uh I, I what i'm trying to do at the moment is work on tunes which have got maybe three or four patch changes within within a, within the the single tune um and i'm trying to get those patch changes uh, uh to be really fluid and to be part of the actual music itself so but and it, and it is quite difficult and what, what always surprised me that many synths don't or, or there doesn't seem to be or at least from what i've seen a very great central point for managing all of this stuff so that you can just kind of go yeah this one here this one it is it there is an element of jeopardy about how it works i mean i know rich when you gig you bring your stuff on a thumb drive and you know it goes into the higher keyboard or whatever and that's all fine but what happens when you change the set order or, you know, if that changes, you know, you then have to either think I need to know which button to press at which point or do you try and have things working sequentially? I mean, how do you handle the program change side of things? I have, I, first of all, it's all handled manually, but, um, and mostly the set order doesn't change that much. Right. However, there have been cases where the set list is being pared down to fit into a certain size and it puts two different songs next to each other whose programs are not that easily accessible in sequence. And so I will write those two programs again up by past the normal program length so that I can get from one to the other quickly for the purposes of that show. Right, okay. Does that, does that make sense? Um, yeah, but every, I basically go to the gig with less than the oboe player, I like to say. <laughs> I have two flash drives, two flash drives in my in-ears and I'm ready to go. Uh, that's that's a liberating experience i'm sure but so um i mean but the thing is is when you are trying to manage i mean it seems that there aren't i mean there used to be a whole host of librarians and universal patch management systems those sort of things seems to have they 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 don't seem to be around so much i mean obviously you've got the uh the tagging and the categorization and things like contact and things which have massive amounts of patches but when you're trying to construct something that sequentially flows and maybe has to interact with exterior hardware that's a bloody nightmare i mean it's really complicated i mean i found uh, with the yamaha setlist app which i use that's one way because I've just got a picture of the Erebus set up on it and then I press a button and it sends out four or five program changes and recalls everything, but that's discontinued. So I don't know what else there is. I mean, there must be other things. I'm curious, but it it feels like I have to bring the iPad along just for that purpose. And it just seems like program mapping and all of those things would be at a minimum what you need in any kind of live keyboard. So if you've got, I've got this performance, I bring it up, it's going to send a program change on this channel to that. You know, I mean, that, that doesn't seem to be something that's thought about so much to my mind well, most of in this particular group most of what i do is play rompler based versions of very organic sounding instruments that we all know and love so there's organs there's clavinets there's roads there's uh stuff like that and then there's the orchestral bit where i'm playing keyboard strings to try to simulate what was originally on the record it's really only one or two string patches in basically the world that will cover the needs of a chic Right. string part because it has to have uh, a very fast attack very good sustain and really responsive velocity sensitivity for me to be effective with it in our show 
And there aren't that many romplers that do that. String patches tend to be enormous and lush and have fairly slow attacks on them. And I don't need either enormous or slow. I need small section fast. And not too many people are focused on that in their keyboard string patches. So there's a very limited range of keyboards that will do what I need to begin with. Right. And then there's a very limited number of patches in that thing that are going to do it. So um, it's not that tricky from that aspect. If I've done my homework properly and programmed the splits and the layers as I need them. And then there's also just a generic string patch and a generic octave strings patch that I can call on anytime I only need to do that. It's it's pretty much done and ready to go, and it's and I want it to be such that I don't have to be thinking about any of that. Yeah, that should be just that should just work. What I need to think about is playing effectively and dynamically within the music at every given moment. Yeah, I, I, well, and since I don't have an offstage guy running all that crap, what? It's really <laughs> important. It's really important that I make it in a way so that it can just disappear into my workflow and not be something I really have to count on worrying about. Yeah, no, I understand that. I mean, I think... You, sorry, Gaz. Uh, well, sorry, just a quick question to Rich. Do you set all your gains then, or do you, do you ride that live for your patches? Uh, all of the above. Our, our monitor guy, who's, I believe, the greatest monitor engineer to walk the planet, um, will <laughs> use the... Uh, built-in demos on the keyboards I use to set his level at the monitor desks so that when I walk up and do the things I do with the volume sliders, it will provide him with the same input source each night, from night to night. So it's kind of both. But I am writing volume sliders and in addition to playing quite a bit dynamically on the keyboards themselves, loud and louder and softer. It's a combination. Yeah, 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 I see. Yeah, I, I just, I always find that's the hardest bit to get when I'm programming, sequ you know, uh, patch changes is the is getting the volume levels right. I tend to, uh, well, that's, I've, I've, I've which is, that mostly down to my feet now. So I've got volume controls for each of the. Yeah, I'm horrible with volume. I'm horrible with volume pedals, but the more I can get going from here, the better it's going to be. Ah, well, I, I've been because I've been looking into this thing. I, I think I showed it a little while back, which is the uh, Labs for Music Separio, Separio, which is the the keyboard mapping thing, and it's really nifty actually because. Uh, I've since discovered it's got a USB host port, so I can plug like the Sub 37 because I'm thinking about replacing the iPad with something like this. So what I could do is create a set in it, and each set will send out a bunch of program changes on four or five. You know, so each song would 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 send out, and then you can have steps within each song that would then send other changes and route the MIDI to various places, have splits and what have you. And so I could just press a button, Bing, and it will go to the next one, the next one, the next one. But it, I mean, it is. It, for all its cleverness and complexity, it's still quite complicated to program, and it's still something else that's in between everything. So it does. It's, it. It just seems like it. I wish it could be easier because it really isn't. Uh, I'm trying. Modstep could function though in that role on the iPad. I think, and if and you, if you were just manually triggering scenes, they could send the program changes out, but without any information in there. I think that it's that's got quite. It's got quite amazing amount of rootability, actually. So that might be worth looking into. Just 
Yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, I just want to, to I don't want to, because I'm using an iPad and an iConnectivity 4 Plus to do that. And it just seems like I've got two big things that I need to kind of, you know, deal with. And it's just like, I'd much rather kind of just have one thing that does it you <laughs> yeah. know, rather yeah, yeah. than the extra complexity. So that's what I'm looking at. But that'll be a review that's coming up soon. That's, uh, I've just got to, I was hoping to do that yesterday, but uh, he's done some uh, modifications to the firmware, which make it even more powerful. So I'm quite uh, excited to find out about that. Um, I think we're probably coming to, well, that's certainly the end of the topics. I don't know if there's any other business that anybody would like to check out. I, I should just check out the librarian for, uh, the mini log is uh, it looks like a fairly basic thing it's more like patch management rather than an editor but uh, it's useful to have definitely and uh, that's a free download for windows or mac and also i think once you've got it you can download the free uh sound packs volume one which must mean that there are more on the way and that uh, and it, it's worth checking the demos out because i mean the mini log is capable of quite some uh impressive sounds considering its size and uh you know and price i guess so I think that's probably about it for this week. I want to say thank you very much to Rich Hilton for hanging in there in uh, in Ontario. Mm-hmm. Where? What time is it? Is it early in the day? I can't. I don't know what the time difference is. It's one minute past noon here. Ah, okay. So very reasonable. I guess you won't get too much jet lag from uh, east coast to uh, to where you are. It's all pretty much the same. So you're on on top of the right time schedule. Excellent. Well, Rich, have a great gig. And thank you very thank much you. for joining us. It's been a pleasure as ever. Always always a pleasure for me. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> and, of course, Gaz Williams over there in um, in his base, Garrett. Thank you very much for joining us, uh, Gaz. Uh, anything exciting coming up in your uh, immediate future? Uh, so I'm mixing an album at the moment, Schnauzer album. That's that I'm, I'm really excited about because of the, I've used Melodyne 4 an awful lot in it. And it's been amazing, uh, really mind blowing, actually. So that's uh, that I, I've used that to um, extract tempo map. I, you know, I'm really into this idea of tempo map extraction. Uh, the Cubase one is really good, but the Melodyne Four one is just oh, it's, it's absolutely outstanding. And what I've done is I've exported the tempo maps out of Melodyne into each one of the of the song projects and then it, it just gives me the most amazing control oh you set all the tracks to follow the tempo map and then what i've i've banned myself from doing i've not done this on a project before i banned myself from editing any musical parts the only editing that i'm allowed to do is edits to the tempo map and it's such a revolutionary way of working. It's absolutely amazing. So if there's a drum fill I don't like, I'll just play with the tempo map until I like it and things like that, you know. it's uh, it, uh, So that's that so, uh, from a technical point of view. And Duncan from the band has been amazing. We've been working on it together, this tempo map business. Um, it's, it, I, I think it's like, it's like, next level stuff it's amazing so well i know well stuff that you played me was yeah and you can you can and, and then that means you just have massive amounts of control as well right yeah you can you can you can set the tempo to be flat as a ruler for sections where that's required and then leave it be in its own free time for times and then even you know we've done things where we've just tilted the 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 tempo map you know so it retains all of the 
tempo detail, but it's just tilted upwards, so it speeds up throughout the song. Uh, all sorts of things with the tempo map. It's been uh, yeah, so I'm I'm really excited about it because the results, I, I I just think is amazing. It means that you spend less time micromanaging little waveforms, which just is boring. I just more time like listening and just literally you know working with tempo map. It's Bizarre. It's a bizarre way of working, but it's really, really cool. So just like anywhere, anywhere where it's, ooh, what doesn't feel right there? Just a tiny movement in the tempo map. Okay, it's not bugging me anymore. <laughs> but I didn't go in and have to chip and move and do all that kind of stuff. And are you using, because when, when we spoke before, um, you were using uh, Melodyne's uh, processing Frequency processing as a form of EQ as well, to kind of mm. like, uh, rather than yeah, yeah. traditional. Uh, how's that going? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. So I use that as an insert uh, on within Cubase, so running it as a uh, internally uh, the the melody the, the tempo mapping I was running as a separate project inside of Melodyne Studio, bringing that out. So then using Melodyne again as inserts as uh, for you know a, a, a completely new paradigm of of EQ. It's off. It's off the scale because remember what you can do with that is, it it's it's not a real time process. So it's a it's a it has to sort of have the information in there. But the fact is, once it's analysed everything, it knows what the spectral value of each and every note within that recording is. So therefore, you've got full control of what the harmonic content of of. So if you if you were to raise the fundamental frequency by one dB, every single note's fundamental frequency will be raised by one decibel. I mean, EQ, I mean, that's just like science fiction. Super dynamic EQ, yeah. Yeah, and and to that same, there's other things that it can do as well. You've got like a dynamics control, and that dynamics control is just like a, it's like a, a compressor of immense power because it knows what all the amplitude of all of the uh, <laughs> of all of oh the, in advance uh, right yeah in advance so you can just sort of reduce or increase the 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 dynamic content of the material as well so but i mean the thing that i'm finding at the moment is that it's very small amounts of stuff is really effective because you can overdo it and uh, but we have it's for instance adding a, a decibel of the um fundamental makes such a huge difference you know you are talking about and then maybe varying it 1.2 db or something like that really that sort of small kind of things um so because it's so new we don't really have a lot of case studies and you know uh, experience to draw upon uh specific to this approach but uh, what i would say is that it, it's probably the most significant movement in digital audio that's interesting i wonder if you, you could get to a situation where effectively you have a mixing desk that uses that per channel so you play the song through once and then you actually have knobs that would that that would be that's kind of a, bit of a mind-blowing concept so you mix in a completely new paradigm in the frequency domain and time and frequency domain that's hmm yeah, uh, I, I, sorry come back to you rich I mean, do, have you had a chance to to try out those new features in melody 4 because i know that they've been they've been they're fairly wow and i know you you know you're a melody user or have been in the past i i have not really had a chance to use them in a professional circumstance i've sort of looked at them and played around with them a little bit on my own but i haven't had the need 
to do the kinds of really fascinating things that Gaz is talking about. I guess the thing is also that's interesting about that is, you know, when you're working with a producer or whoever, you know, and you're kind of running the technology or, you know, engineering in a traditional sense, there's a common language, isn't there? So you'd say, oh, can you just put a bit more bottom end on this? And 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 if you remove that by using this Melodyne method, which is incredibly powerful, then you're sort of the only person who knows what the hell's going on <laughs> at the moment. Anyway. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, it so happens that the guy I work for is incredibly astute and uh understands pretty much everything that's going on so it's not a problem no well that's that's excellent are, are you finding that that's the case with you guys or are, are you finding it's kind of you're your sort of because you must be experimenting as you go along i mean you can't know everything instantly on this and you know your other the other paradigm you've got years of experience at right yes uh it's um when I had my first success with it, it was on a saxophone, which was uh, recorded a little bit off mic. Uh, so it just was, it just didn't have body to it. So I increased that and increased the second harmonic a little bit. And then the third, I increased just the bottom few harmonics proportionally. Uh, and the effect that it had was instead of it being off mic, suddenly it just felt like it was just really up close. Uh, it really changed where it, it felt like it it was um and i thought oh that's that's really interesting because i don't know i'd have had the same experience using eq to I, you know this really did change it, it sounded like it was on a different mic or something it really changed things in quite a, a major way so once i and i i'd i rendered that off so I had the two, so I could just like toggle between just to make sure that it was all good. And the difference was really, was really striking for me there. I just thought that was so good. So that was my um, eureka moment. A, a little bit, yeah. I think that's that's when I just thought, okay, I think this is technology that is well worth trusting. But it was funny because on the bass guitar, I thought that was the way to to go with the bass guitar, increasing the um, fundamental a little bit. But on one one track. I took it to another place, uh, this track I was working on, to try it out through the speaker system there. And we ended up actually taking bass off the fundamental. We cut the fundamental by about 1 dB. And suddenly the bass just, I don't know, it just worked that much better in the mix. Um, so, yeah, those little, those little things have just gone, this is really cool. This is such a cool way of working. Uh, I mean... It's a bit clunky if in that, you know, you have to insert it onto every track you want to put it on, play the track entirely through, you know, if you're going to work, if you're going to use it as a uh, as an insert effect. You know, it's something that, you know, this does slow the work flow down right. to, to get to, to get it in. I mean, obviously, other than the um, other than the, 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 the sound editing we're talking about, you have then got the Melodyne pitch and you know yeah all the other things you time got. open to you as as well so so that time of importing it is uh you know you certainly gain all that other stuff there but so sorry so i'm mentioning that just in terms of like a you know for people to e embrace new ideas and and as i say a new paradigm in this case it still involves this rather you know clunky method you know once that stuff is just embedded into the door straight away so you're not having to 
know. Yeah, get process which, externally, yes. Which it would be if you were running Manadine Studio as your... Int- it, uh, but I've tried it numerous times to do that, uh, use Melodyne and just go, right, I'm going to try and make an entire song, mixed it, mix it down, do it entirely in Melodyne's studio. So it's just but, too um, much. I just get, yeah, it just, I get, I get, I hit issues with it. I, yeah. It's fantastic software, but uh, I still want to go into one of my other doors for the other purposes, really. Well, Gaz, thank you very much for sharing that experience. And once again, thank you very much to my guests, Rich Hilton, uh, who's hung in there, still got, still got a healthy number of pixels there. And also Gaz Williams, uh, Gaz Williams, not me. Thank you very much, Gaz. That's it for this week. Don't forget, if you want to enter the uh, Isotope competition, uh, you need to tweet the hashtag vocal uh, sorry synthesize and the hashtag vocal synth uh, to at sonic state and at isotope inc to win a chance of uh, winning the isotope vocal synth plugin that's the hashtag synthesize and the hashtag vocal synth to at sonic state and at isotope inc that's it thank you very much for watching we'll see you next time